at 230,000. Gonna be sold, gonna be quick. I sell for 230. A hush just descending over Flemington. We're close now, the lights are on. Stand by. Welcome to episode 8 of The Shortlist, the official podcast of the Federation of Bloodstock Agents Australia, who of course are charged with upholding a code of ethics and standard of practice for bloodstock trade in Australia. Now, this episode is brought to you of course by our great sponsors IRT and Stable Financial. We're recording this episode on the eve of Melbourne Cup Carnival, one of the great weeks of racing anywhere in the world. And joining me to discuss all the big issues pertinent to Cup Week are Mark Pilkington from Mark Pilkington Management, a veteran thought shaper and bloodstock agent who currently manages the wide-reaching interests of Seymour Bloodstock, and Seamus Mills from Seamus Mills Bloodstock, a leading figure in the purchase of High-quality young thoroughbreds, especially fillies and mares, Seamus. You've dabbled in a bit of everything from journalism to racing management, but you've found certainly uh, a great part of the market where you've enjoyed a lot of great success. Mark and Seamus, hello and welcome. Thanks for joining me. Morning, Shark. Good to be here. It's a bit early in the morning for Pilk. I know he likes to uh, just warm into his day and and get into gear before cracking on and and doing all the big deals. Uh, Cup week. Boys, we're going to discuss that. That's our big issue for this episode. That's a great time of the year, Shark, isn't it, for all the participants? I think not only domestic, but uh, these days internationally as well. So um, it's terrific when um, people who participate, everyone's got a different perspective on what they want to achieve, isn't it, Seamus? And whether that be just start out winning a race and then potentially winning your home cup or getting to have a runner in the spring, it's just a great time of year. So uh, everyone's thinking thoroughbreds. And when I see a good one, I just think I'd need another one. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a great week, and it's not a week without controversy this year in 2021. The new and somewhat controversial Racing Victoria betting protocols for, for horse welfare have been introduced. They were discussed at length earlier in this year, and... Uh, caused a bit of unrest overseas, particularly in Europe. Uh, trainers like Aidan O'Brien were very outspoken about the new uh, protocols. And we've already seen the protocols start to have a bit of an impact. And, and some commentators would suggest it's an unwarranted impact and it could lead to the decline in the, the quality of the carnival overall. I wanted to start on the Cox Plate a week ago, gentlemen. And, and the example of Gold Trip, and here was a horse that past all the relevant scans and CTs and MRIs and whatnot, only to arrive in Australia and be withdrawn, and a very high-profile horse, an expensive horse. What sort of impact do you think the gold trip story uh, here in Victoria will have on, on international trainers and buyers coming out for future carnivals? Well, Shark, my personal view is um, is... Like most things, you find the path of least resistance. So I reckon that, um, you know, whilst it's been a can of worms probably in its first year, if the protocols are here to stay, I think people will just find a way to um, uh, trade around it, as in whether they buy those horses earlier, um, race them in the Northern Hemisphere um, with a view then to bring them down and hopefully passing uh, all the relevant tests. I mean, I think 
I think in the short term, it doesn't paint a great picture for international, you know, sort of appeal to our carnival. But as far as bloodstock trade goes, as I said, I think most people will sort of try and work their way around it. I don't think it'll slow trade very much, but uh, but I do think people will need to rethink what they're going to do and where they're going to go. I think the big the big the big points is going to be whether that horse down just goes to New South Wales and runs without any sort of tests. I mean. If people think there's a loophole in the system somewhere and that that is uh, racing the horses interstate, mm, can't see that uh, can't see that working very well. And Pilko, when you've got a guy like Peter Volandis, who's been very aggressive, I guess, and forthright in creating races around the Victorian Spring Carnival, that that you know, perhaps in anticipation of a scenario like like Gold Trip, luring him north for a big money staying race. It's it's not great when it comes to you know dilution of, of talent during the spring carnival. Peter Valand is an amazing racing administrator, mate. But if you think he's predicting and trying to work on the back of this, I think that's drawn a bow. But you know, he'll be claiming it. My take advice for what it's worth is um, we all understand why these new rules were brought into place. It appears they've had a little bit of an overreach in the first instance. I'm sure they'll tinker it and get it better in the future. We all know not every horse comes out and trots asymmetrically, Jameis, you know. So there are going to be idiosyncrasies that are hard to – it's not a one-size-fits-all. And I guess we've got to remember, you know, even with the trainers, they put their heart and soul into these horses, but they're not immune to getting it wrong either, you know. They're like the footy players who go out and, you know, they're still umpires and administrators have got to adhere the rules around the place. So everyone's trying their best to do the best for themselves and – I reckon we all have to acknowledge that there's lots of spokes in the thoroughbred wheel and we should show a little bit of respect for the other spokes within that wheel to keep us all on track. You, you look at the situation Kieran Maher and David Eustace are in with Gold Trip. They're learning about the horse as much as anybody else, but as far as they're concerned, they're seeing that or saying that the horse is healthy and well and sound and the vets have a different, a different opinion. Who should have more say in this process, the, the Racing Victoria veterinary panel or the people that are working with the horses every day? The administrators, mate. They're the rules. They're here by the rules. It's a shame if you don't get them. As I said, not every not every horse is going to trot up sound, but um, unfortunately we've all been involved in a situation where um, one hasn't been quite right. There's been plenty of opportunities and situations where horses have actually succeeded despite the fact that they mightn't have trotted up well beforehand. Um, they're the rules. Wise words, Shame. I'd say. Yeah, wise words from the elder statesman there. Um, and you, he got him on here for a reason. And uh, I think you have to, I mean, realistically, you can't have, you know, like AFL, you can't have, you know, players and coaches uh, running the show. Um, and it's got to be the same here, regardless of whether you sort of believe in it or not. Obviously, you have to, you know, behind the scenes, you can you know, you can lobby for some changes to these rules and so on and, and, and hopefully to smooth them out over future years. But, um, yeah, I, I do agree that, um, like them or not, uh, we have to try and get the rules right to be run by Racing Victoria rather than think that um, the players can determine their own path. When you look at the carnival in a whole and how it's evolved since and changed since Vintage Crop won the Melbourne Cup and, and the influx and the steady increase of uh, international participation how important is 
international participation and these these raiding horses every year to the the health and the standing of the carnival are, are we a lesser carnival if international numbers drop right away do do overseas jurisdictions sort of look at us and say wow you're only racing against your own it, it sort of not as valuable as it once was i'm not sure how you know is that a is that a metric how important is it chuck you know we've, we've got a an industry that's um, the envy of the world i think that's why a lot of these internationals come here in the first place so I'd suggest we're not doing a lot wrong. Prize money levels are very good, and I'd say uh, unless you're getting a yearling bought by Shaman's Mills Bloodstock, the hardest part in this game is getting a good one. So uh, the variables are there for success if you do get it right, mate. And and our breeding stacks up across the world. You know, you can you can talk about your your Japanese, where they're wonderful with their staying, but people probably forget we got an import a while ago called Danehill. Mm. You know, he's been a pretty good speed influence when you think of the. Reduces and exceeds and vast net rocks and all the like. So, I think I read something John Massara said 25 or 30 years ago when um, something about international currency, international horses, it all blends in. So, I think we're a pretty important part of the world landscape these days, mate. So, uh, sure, it's great to always look at how we can improve it, but uh, nothing wrong with doing, sticking to your knitting and do what you do pretty good. Is testing, and, and you've been a part of Merchant Navy who went over and, and raced and won at Royal Ascot, is testing our horses both locally and, and overseas against, you know, the best in the world, that's surely still got to be an important aspect of our racing, though. We can't be completely provincialised. Oh, I don't think we're provincialised. I mean, it's great to test yourself. But as I said, everyone's got that different um, KPI in their own little mind. I mean, it's, it's great to have a passport horse, isn't it, when you can go away and try them on, but the... You know, merchant, the merchant navies and all the way back to the Star Spangled Banners and Tricere, the early trailblazers, I mean, they went there sure to go and see how they compared, but there's a little thing called the uh, the Do Re Me. I think they went for the dollars and the uplift in value, and, and it's amazing that there's a respect there now for the Australian product. So it does become internationalised, doesn't it? Seamus, is the international market something you're actively trading in from a you know, even from a breeding perspective, broodmares and whatnot, you've, I know you've bought from the States before. Yeah, look, I, I, I uh, love the Northern Hemisphere sales, but I've I got to, you know, I'll freely admit, it's as much for the travel and the, and the lifestyle as it is for the bloodstock. Nothing wrong with a trip to Keeneland or Deauville is my personal favourite. If you, uh, you know, if you haven't been to Deauville, you need to get over there with, between, the, um, between the restaurants and, and the wine and the cheese. I would be lying if I said I was over there in search of impeccable bloodstock that was impossible to, you know, achieve over here. Um, anyway, sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. And uh, I guess these international trips are, um, aren't the worst part of the job. Um, but look, yeah, as far as bloodstock goes, yeah, look, I, you know, I, 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 think, I think Australia plays an important part on the, on the world scale. I, I think the difference is that we're obviously the major player of Southern Hemisphere um, bloodstock, and that's a that's a that's a that's a big sort of point is that Argentina and you know other countries, much respect as it got, you know there there is a there is a northern southern hemisphere thing. It's hard, obviously, with the age of our horses, um, you know, to compete uh, internationally. Like it's going from southern hemisphere to northern hemisphere. Um, I, I, I think the carnival. I think the. Um, in, the carnival can work just as well whether we get the international horses here or not. I think there's obviously there's 
lots of people who actually prefer a carnival with horses that they know or their form lines and so on. I take the point on the idea of horses coming here, but I don't think... I think it adds an extra little layer there, but I certainly don't think it detracts, and I don't think our carnival is dependent on international horses, whether there's one or whether there's 20. I don't think it uh, works any better or, or worse. I think it's the... Um, uh, the uh, spectacle itself and 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 the, and the and the quality of the horses we get to see and now we've got a bit of a new star on the on the rise here I think this year's Caulfield and Melbourne Cup will be just as watched and just as anticipated as as any over the last 10 or 20 years but um, look the the world's getting smaller in bloodstock worldwide is um, is now pretty easy to move around you've seen plenty of people buying at uh, tats in the last couple of weeks there were people buying at uh, Keeneland I think it's great to bring new... I think we had bred ourselves into a bit of a corner. Pilk managed, uh, mentioned Daniel, you know. Um, we've probably bred ourselves into that corner a bit and we need we need some extra blood. Um, and overseas is probably the logical place to go and find it. Pilk, what about incentivise? How important is this horse as a locally bred Australian-raised, bred, staying prospect that's a Caulfield Cup winner in dominant style and now a raging favourite for the Melbourne Cup. How important is his success to potentially start to turn people's focus maybe away from plugging gaps with, with European tried horses, which they're always going to do, but could it inspire a, a surge in, in breeding local staying stock? You can set your calendar to about this time of year, next year, in the next 10 years, Mick, when everyone, we all sort of pontificate over how can we breed more of our own because we seem to come up short. And that's just a fact. But then the commercial realities of it is that for the people who've gone out and bought those sort of staying stallions, they, they just don't get the support in the market. So it's hard to, to maintain the momentum of it. But incentivise is just a great, you know, he's just the best story of all time, isn't he? He's what, what we all aspire to get. And for all of the uh, research and databases and that, that everyone puts into a lot of work to try and identify the next good horse, you know, fair play to the ownership group who identified that fella and gave him to Peter Moody and got a broken down Hong Kong jockey turned him back into a superstar. And, it, you know, it's, it's movie-esque, isn't it? It's fantastic. So they can come from anywhere and that's the great news. And, you know, as we've got to just as easily remember, there's... There's some bit obscure occasional colts that go and win a big race in England too and staying races. And, you know, years gone by, we had Doremus by Norman Pentaquad that doesn't really feature in too many size titles or group mess size titles anymore. So they can come from anywhere and just got to embrace them. And as I say, you look at them and I just think, I want one. It's like, a, it's like a Simpsons episode, this. Like it's like people walking around with um, pitchforks saying somebody else needs to breed more stayers. You know? Like it, it's... Every year you get the same thing. Uh, you have clients and everyone in media, everybody. Somebody's got to breed more stayers. Uh, who's that? Not me, but somebody's got to. Yeah, who's going to pay for it? It's, it's a long you know, every year. Trainers yeah. won't buy them. The sales companies don't take them. But somebody's got to breed more stayers. What I find really interesting is when you look at the the better stayers and the better classic performers that we've had in Australia in the last, oh, let's say, five, six years, they're coming from, and even if you go back to Zabil, they're coming from sires that were great milers. You know, Zabil, uh, Tavistock was a really good miler. Uh, Piero, I know he was a two-year-old, but he, he trained on and, and performed really well at a, a mile. Even Seamus Award, an elite miler, and he's leaving middle distance horses. Do we, do we potentially overthink the idea of breeding a stayer 
in Australia and, and the concept that you have to breed to something that's one over a distance, whereas you look at what's actually producing our better middle distance horses and they, they appear to be milers. Well, a mile is always a good start for you, isn't it? If you've, if you've got a mile, you've probably got something that's it's got enough turn of foot to maybe to be a back-end two-year-old and a 1,400 size type of horse. And if you can get a mile, you're probably a chance to get 2,000 metres. And once we get into weight for age racing, of course, the tempo is all that different. So I think the amount of times that 2,000 metre handicap versus the weight for age feature race on the day, the handicap will run a quicker time. So if you've got a good mile, you're a chance to have a bit of everything, I guess, Shark. But I don't think we do overthink it. I agree with Seamus. It's, it's a, it's a once-a-year thing. We're very successful and they're, they're bloody hard to get no matter where you are. The Poms find it hard to breed and there's a lot of Japanese blokes who have things that are bred and they try and make them stay. I mean, a horse that you're involved in Fierce Impact, all they wanted to do was to make him stay and he came out to Australia and he won three group ones over a mile. Mm. You know, so people can get too, a little bit too preoccupied, I think, about what we want the horses to do. Give them their chance, put them in the good trainer's care and let them perform to their optimum. When it comes to the transport of your valuable thoroughbreds, look no further than IRT, the world leader in horse transport. IRT has serviced the international market for almost 50 years with offices in Australia, New Zealand, Germany, the UK and the USA. Their experienced staff are with you and your horse at every step of the journey. IRT are proud to support the FBAA in enhancing and promoting the Australian thoroughbred market. IRT, your horse, our passion. I like the Australian way of thinking. It's slightly different to other examples of you know great races around the world. You look at Royal Ascot and the sprint races there in Australia and America going and, and toweling them up and they've improved their sprinting stocks by, you know, breeding to American and Australian speed sources and importing faster mares. And now their sprinters are improving. You go back to Japan in the 80s and Europeans and Americans smashing them in the Japan Cup. So they breed to win that race effectively. And now there hasn't been an international winner of that race in 14 years, albeit the, the international participation has probably fallen away a little bit. But Australia faced with the same sort of conundrum rather than in looking to breed stouter horses to win a Melbourne Cup, we, we, we went and found an easier option. We, we bought tried horses and, and target these horses in training sale. Does that sort of speak more to the Australian ingenuity rather than looking for an easier solution perhaps, Seamus? Well, we have invented everything from the Hills Hoist, you know. So, uh, <laughs> we make life easier. We make life easy. Yeah, that's right, exactly. Um, uh, so, look, you know, I, I, there's no jurisdiction around the world that dominates every ranks, you know. So it's going to be the same argument, you know, it's, it's, it's like we should breed more stayers. There'll be the same argument. The POM's telling us that, we, you know, their horses are... Uh, are, are no good and we're saying that theirs aren't fast enough um, so I think it's a, it's a pretty endless argument we've obviously gone down a fairly precocious sort of uh, sprinting ranks I'm happy to I'm happy if Australia dominates that on a world scale um, you know happy to debate it with um, with anyone around the world as I say there's not really there's no jurisdiction that's dominating these things um, across all distances we've got our niche as far as sort of filling the hole we need the Kiwis to step up. I mean, they, they, um, we used to be able to go in there and just raid their bloodstock and win cups and oaks and derbies and so on. Now, they either want to stand our third-rate st- sprinters 
or they want too much money. So um, uh, it's uh, it's the Kiwis I, I'm, I'm blaming here. We need them to um, get back to what they're good at, which is providing Australians with um, cups and oaks and derbies. We're good at ingenuity. We're also good at pointing the finger, Pilk, are we, <laughs> in that regard. Do you, think, do you think we'll go back to New Zealand now with these protocols around Europe? Do you think, oh, you look at Aussie Care and Brace Sikolsky, like they've gone and bought and, and targeted New Zealand again this season, I know for a fact, and they're, they're pretty active tried horse players. Do you think we'll look back to New Zealand? Oh, I think for sure. I mean, I, I'd agree with Seamus. Probably, mate, that might have been a, a 20-year-ago thing. They certainly they tinkered with that whole um, getting the sprinter go to try and compete. I, I reckon they've sort of swung around in the last few years when you think of sort of reliable man and, and the tablet. I think they've got back into their niche. To their, they're sticking to their netting. They're doing what they do well and there's a lot of nice horses coming out. I mean, horses like Tavistock's obviously a big loss to them and big shame. Hopefully, um, Zavabil, hopefully he's got a few more years in him. He's a, you know, he's a wonderful horse. So I agree. They, they've... They're probably a good test case for us. You stick to your netting and do what you do well. And I honestly don't think, mate, other than I, I tend to agree with Seamus, there's a lot of the media blokes who want to speculate about what we need to do better. I don't reckon we're doing a lot wrong. Hi, it's Adam Timms here from Stable Financial. We are very happy to support the FBAA because like their members, we also offer highly respected expert advice to horse owners, breeders and syndicators. Whereas Bloodstock agents focus on the horse flesh, Stable Financial, we focus on the business and tax matters. Please come and talk to the team at Stable Financial. We're passionate about this wonderful industry we're all in and we look forward to helping you improve your horse business. All the best over the spring carnival. All right, we've talked about Cup Week and the issues around Cup Week and veterinary scans and whatnot. What I want to do now is pose a little hypothetical to you in a little segment we've called In a Perfect World. And in a perfect world, gentlemen, I wanted to pick your brains about Cup Week. Now, we, we all know the Cup Week experience. We've lived it. We've breathed it. We've had runners during it. We've uh, partied after it. Is there an element of Cup Week that you think is just about ready for, for some innovation, for a bit of change? And it could be on track. It could be from a racing point of view, race structure, or the way we, we map out Cup Week to to the overall promotion of it. Now, Seamus, I'll start with you. Um, uh, in a perfect world, eh? Um, look, I, I, my perfect world scenario is just, um, I think Everest and Caulfield Cup showed that the um, debate over programming is one that can be solved with some level heads. I, I think I think that was a great example whereby really good racing in, in New South Wales and Victoria actually complement each other and actually make for a much better day for everybody right around the country who enjoys racing. I think when you look in in, in America, you know, they have they have a big Saratoga meeting and Del Mar at the same time. There's there's plenty there's plenty where you've got a big enough jurisdiction around the world, there's plenty of examples where two meetings can can really complement each other. I think that was a great example, and I think if um, some level heads got in a room together, I, I really do feel that uh, the whole programming side of things in your in that uh, perfect world scenario, I, I reckon we could get that right. Pilko, what about you? What are your thoughts on on programming first before you give us your little innovation marketing insights? Well, I'll give you my innovation and marketing insights first, and that is that 
I'll leave it to the innovators. As you said, I'll probably my best is behind me, not in front of me. But I certainly acknowledge and embrace innovation. My only qualification is that is for the people making it, that, that they respect about what's made the product and their whole experience good and they understand the ramifications of whatever the innovations are. And I think that gets right back to what James's point in relation to the, uh, you know, top-level administration nationally. Like, if I could get one in a perfect world, it would be that we're a nationally-based, get it right, there'll be winners and losers, but across the board, we'll all be the ultimate beneficiaries. Is there too much made, I guess, by media to, as a starting point? We mentioned media before in the, in the Stayers conversation. Is there too much made of the Victoria v New South Wales Barney, or or is that real? Is there is there palpable frustration from not only you know participants but those administrators in the industry from your intel? Well, people are loving the race for the big money. You know, as an owner, shame you put your hat on. It's it's terrific to have an opportunity to race for them uh, for those big those big events. So they've come in, they've, they've they've shook it up, and it's and it's made positive impacts. And so now I guess it's time to recalibrate and um, work out for everyone's uh, betterment going forward. When it comes to the transport of your valuable thoroughbreds, look no further than IRT, the world leader in horse transport. IRT has serviced the international market for almost 50 years with offices in Australia, New Zealand, Germany, the UK and the USA. Their experienced staff are with you and your horse at every step of the journey. IRT are proud to support the FBAA in enhancing and promoting the Australian thoroughbred market. IRT, your horse, our passion. Right, gentlemen, there's been some big winners over the last month or so of racing since episode seven of the podcast. So I got really creative with this segment. I want to pick your, your star performer of the last month in a segment called Boom Tish, the big winner. Wow, winning. Pilko, who's your big winner of the last month? We had a nice maiden winner at Horsham on the weekend. I'm not sure if that can probably count. No interest like self-interest, eh? <laughs> I would say, mate, you touched on it before. The, the whole um, story around incentivise is just amazing, you know, from a sort of relatively humbly bred horse. Um, you know, he's, he's out in a glacier man, you know. Mm. So you say, where do they come from? I know um, a horse like Seamus Award for the... For the equinome gene believers, he's a CT, so he's always going to have the propensity to get himself a stay and bred the right way. Electric gay, then all, you know, just every bit of the players. It's it's it has got the makings of a great story, and um, as you said, for Bracekolsky to identify him and and then to go in and buy him, you know, they didn't steal him. They paid up, and then they just so they deserve every success they got. And great, um, you know, second chapter stories for Moods and uh, and uh, B Preble. So, uh, yeah, I think that for me, um, he just uh, encapsulates everything that's good about racing because it's, it's got the fingerprints of good stories everywhere. Seamus, what about you? Uh, well, first we have to go back there. We so need to find out that that winner of Pilko's at Horsham. <laughs> was that was that movie? Was that the I'm Invincible cult movie? Well, I just want a lovely little segue because my real big winner has probably been the owners of Odeon, which happens to be sheep. That's just the difference of the sliding sort of doors and where you end up. You go with Seamus Mills and you get a group one winner Odeon. You go with Pilk and uh, Johnny Kelly. And, look, I guess we're undefeated. 
that's something that's about the only <laughs> hold to you and the candle. Oh, so, I'm just hoping. I'm just hoping you can further inc- further improve the pedigree. She'll be going to stud one day, and if you're tipping to us that he's a future black type performer, well, then that'll help the punters. It'll help me. Um, everyone's happy. Yeah, well, I think um, those who listen to my tips in the past would um, would. Um, let you know that they don't listen to them. Not that I'm in one of giving them, but uh, no, we'll leave the tipping to the tipsters. Uh, boys, it's been great talking to both of you this morning on the short list. With Cup Week, you know, you're going to have runners. You're both going to have runners. You're going to be have involvements and fingers in pies. I just want one. Just want one from each of you. A horse to follow, something you've got running that you're looking forward to across the week. Pilko, he'll have to... He'll, he'll have to take a little while because he'll have to choose between the thirty he's got. So I'll 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 have I'll be uh, small and select. I've only got one one shining light at the moment, which is Daisy's, who I think um, uh, if Mick Price's little video yesterday was anything to go by, um, uh, I think she's pretty prime for a big showing on uh, in the Wakeful, um, and then we'll uh, close our eyes and. Cross fingers for um, for Thursday in the Oaks. My daughter's favourite horse, Daisy's, and she says thanks for naming it after her, Seamus. As we watched it the other day, she said, "Wasn't that? Isn't that good?" They called it after me, so there's nothing like nothing like the ego of a four year old, is there? Please tell her she's welcome, and um, I hope she uses that against any siblings uh, yeah. to uh, explain that they don't have any horses named after them. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Pilk, floating artist, will be running somewhere, wouldn't he? Yeah, he's he's right on the cusp of getting a run in the Melbourne Cup, mate. And um, on the fifty kilos, um, I'd suggest he'll be giving it a very good shake if he can draw a gate. But so yeah, I'd probably uh, I'd probably vouch for him if he does run there. I think he'll run in the Queen Elizabeth, and be hard to beat in that as well. So um, yeah, he's a nice, promising horse, and he's interesting enough when we talk of breeding. He's a um, he's closely related to Cross Counter, who won the Cup a few mm-hmm. years ago. So um, yeah, he's hoping. But um, look, I think for all for all participants across, um, the, you know, the racing, they come from anywhere, anyhow, and that includes the owners, the ones like me, whose top button on his suit's a little bit harder to do up these days. To the, you know, the guys in the top hats and tails, you know, the guys in, in, in Ascot who'd love to come over. You know, that's the great thing. I think we let's not undersell our carnival, mate. It's pretty bloody good. It's on everyone's bucket list. They all want to get here, so we're not doing a lot wrong. Most of them come. The administrators come from around the world to have a look what we're doing. So. Um, Let's keep tinkering, keep getting better and um, trying to get a winner. Melbourne Cup Week's going to be a lot of fun and this was a lot of fun too. Thank you very much, Mark Pilkington, Seamus Mills. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Go well. Cheers, Shark. And thanks for listening to The Shortlist. And remember, if you'd like assistance with anything related to the purchase or trade of Thoroughbred Bloodstock, whether it's buying a share in your first horse to buying a broodmare band, visit bloodstockagents.com.au and get in touch with an FBAA member. Hi, it's Adam Timms here from Stable Financial. I'm very proud of the team we have at the Stable. We understand and enjoy this amazing industry And that's what makes it easier for us to assist clients improve their businesses and protect their assets. We also have a fantastic client base and I'd like to wish all our clients a very good spring, both on the farm and on the racetrack. Please come and talk to us at the stable. We'd love to see you.